You want it. You asked for it. You got it. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition. Back from a few weeks off due to travel, vacations, a, a big boat, yet ready as ever to strap on the four-ounce gloves and deliver a lethal punch of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is, in fact, the voice that you hear. Fresh off an eight-day cruise, but still just about ready to tag in my main man, King Mo, Muhammad Lawal, to break down all things UFC, Bellator, MMA, and much, much more, guys, in a show that is guaranteed, of course, to leave you impressed. I'm not impressed by your performance. We will look back at all the recent fallout. We're talking UFC 220, the opening round of the Bellator World Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament. Look ahead to that spinoff super fight. Daniel Cormier steeping Miocic for the UFC Heavyweight Championship and what this could mean to DC's legacy and his standing as potentially the greatest fighter in MMA history. We're also going to provide all the reactions that you want to Ronda Rousey joining WWE, the UFC's ongoing issues with pay-per-view buys, title switches, main events, who exactly is the champion right now at 155. Yes, Conor McGregor, I'm looking at you. We've got all of that and more in the home of Mixed Martial Arts Audio. In my home. This is my home right here. This is America Top Team. Don't just don't disrespect me in my home. No, no, no. Do not disrespect the king in his home. You know your boy BC is ready to bring it. And look, there's no better man to hire to be by my side than King Mo Muhammad Lawal. But speaking of hiring, folks, every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so you know what? They built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. It's that easy. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive. So you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there, folks. And ZipRecruiter is how you find them. So listen up to this. Because businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. Look, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. And folks, with the business behind us, it's time to make that sweet audio magic. Enjoy. King Mo and BC coming back at you. Look, I was on vacation. I was on a cruise ship. I was the cause of our break. But King Mo, when it comes to wrapping up fights, reacting to news, we got so much to talk about. So little time. How the heck are you? I know you're in mid-training. I know you're always in mid-training. What's going on in the life of the King here? Uh, all is well right now. Currently, I've been helping Brian Jennings train. I've been sparring with him. Spar with. I'm, so far, I've probably sparred about 11 rounds with him. I got about nine more left for us this week, and then... uh. He's heading off for his fight next week. All right. He's a uh, heavyweight title contender. We saw him lose to Vladimir Klitschko. He's a very athletic heavyweight. That's his thing. So how do you match up with him when you guys are working? Oh, I, I get beat up. <laughs> he plays with me. But the thing is, I, I'm, a, I'm a solid body. I'm a dog. I'm in shape. And uh, I, I try to push the push the pace on him, just be in his face. But 
he beats me up. You know, he's he's beat me up before. He's a uh, he's a he's impressive. He's a vegan, like two hundred twenty two pounds, but he's like a bigger version of me and more lean. It's crazy. Nice, nice. He's in preparation for a fight. You're in preparation, of course, for the Bellator World Grand Prix heavyweight tournament bout against Ryan Bader. What is the date on that? April? Nah, it's actually uh, I think May, May twelfth now. And where's where's the site for that? Is that Sacramento? I'm all kind of screwed up right now. I'm still it's, on the ship right. Now. I'm still on the cruise ship right now. <laughs> it's the San Jose. <laughs> That's the San Jose card. All right, we. I want to start right there, King Mo, because when we last saw you, it was on the Paramount Network. It was the Bellator 192 card from a couple weeks ago when Scott Coker and Bellator trots out all eight heavyweights in this tournament. I love sort of the pop and circumstance of bringing you guys all out on the stage, the long ramp to the cage. We got to see some face offs, some square offs. We got to see Frank Mir with a, with a big waistline, which I don't think bears well for his future in that tournament. It's another topic for another time. But at this moment, we did see King Mo and Ryan Bader sort of face off for the first time. Uh, Mo, I didn't necessarily see a Ryan Bader that was iron focus. Should I read into that, or is it like a couple months away from the fight? Who cares? What do you th- What do you got here for me? I, I really don't know. Um, I don't look into things right now because really the the just the face-off means nothing because the face-offs matter. We'd all be trying to win them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> really, they make they make they make a little difference, you know. Um, when I sized him up, I could tell he was in, in tip-top shape. Looked like he had a you know a little little thing, a little donut, yeah, a little spare tire on his waist. But uh, I'm pretty sure he's, he's training right now, and he'll he'll be the in the tip-top shape. He'll be ready for me. All right, I'll be so ready we, for him. you're diplomatic. In, in what you're saying here, it's a couple months away from the fight. You're not looking to kill each other backstage, but is there still that dog in you that's like, all right, I gotta look at Bader's eyes, I gotta look at his waist, I gotta really like, are you sizing him up there as you guys are going through this walkout, you know, in front of the crowd? No, not really, because I've already sized them up. I've sized them up. I've I've been sizing them. Up. I have I've I've, I've sized everybody in my weight class that I've seen, and I've seen them before. I've sized them up. You know, when it comes down to it, like. In the backstage, we got we got professionals, you know. So I don't I don't I don't worry about fighting him for free. I fight him in the cage when it's a check. Once they unlock the cage, <laughs> there's the businessman. There's there's the money weight fighter, King Mo, right there. It's like sign sign the check. I'll fight him backstage if you want, but sign the check, right? That's basically where it comes down to. Basically, basically. All right. Uh, did you catch any? Uh, you know, I mentioned Frank Mir's waistline. I, I've been saying this for, I've been a big, see, I'm a big Frank Mir fan. I'm a big, uh, believer in him as a talent, but I always get upset that every other fight he sort of comes in heavier than you think he should. And I didn't necessarily see, I know it's a couple months off from his fight, but I didn't see a Frank Mir that, that suddenly makes me think he's the favorite, the tournament favorite anymore. Did you get any other breakdowns from that looking at the other eight guys in the tournament backstage? Well, the thing about Frank, just, I could tell you did a lot of traveling. Um, probably did heavy lifting, but uh, really, I don't know what he's been doing. I know he, he's big, but they're all big to me. Um, Matt Mitrione looked like he was uh ready. You know, he looked you know he looked like the normal Matt I always see, goofy. You know, um, couldn't read anything on him. Roy's always Roy. You know, I know we, I know Roy real well. I know he's always in the gym. He's training. It don't seem like it off his body, but Roy's always in the gym doing something. And um, Fedor, Stoneface Killer, you can really get a read on Fedor. Yeah, what what uh, is what's okay? Give us the backstory. What's the King Mo Fedor interaction like? I I like Fedor. You know, I talked to him. I was like, hey, if we can't fight, at least let's train together. Let's spar. Let's do something. You know, I I told him. I told him. You know, I was like, hey man, um, 
you know, if you win this next fight and you want to train, let's train. You know, I, I probably, you know, I, I'm, I have no problem fighting anybody. You know, what I'm saying that I'm, I've trained with, but I just, if I can't see him, if I can't see him in the finals, let me get a chance to spar with him or something. Is he a cool That's, dude? Because he seems like the stone faced warrior all the time. You know what? I think that as he's gotten a little older, he's starting to show um, his true inner self. You know, he's, he seems like he's a nice guy. You know, uh, cracks jokes here and there. His English ain't that bad. He just doesn't like to speak English like out there in public. He doesn't want he to expose want to the gimmick, sick. right? The gimmick is the stone face with that bright sweater on. That's the gimmick. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to kayfabe at all times. Come on. That's that's definitely the gimmick right there. That's the sweater, you know. But uh, no, he's he's pretty, he's pretty cool, you know. Um, he doesn't really give you too much, but I can see you see he'll, he'll crack a smile here and there and say a little things here and there. But Figaro's pretty cool. Well, we already know what Chael Sonnen thinks about you. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. And we all know that a lot of people are saying, hey, that Mo Bader matchup, the winner may end up winning this tournament. I was watching uh, ESPN Sports Nation. They had a guy on there, Adam Hunter, I believe. They asked him who's going to win. He said, I got my money on King Mo. I'm hearing that more and more. Are you still feeling that or, or you don't want to buy, you don't want to get a big head and buy into that, right? I felt that from the get go, you know, me personally, because don't forget, Look at the odd odd makers. They have Bader, or actually Mitrione as the favorite, then Bader second, then the alternate third, then me or whoever last. But uh, I've always felt like I'm gonna win this thing. You know, I'm very confident. I feel great, in great shape. Ooh, I'm, I can't wait to get these hands Fired on somebody. Up. Fired up because you know hands plus good wrestling equals a problem. That's a King Mo math equation from way back. That will still. Proved true here. We saw a first round matchup on that night. Bellator 192 in LA a few weeks back. Chael Sonnen defeats Quentin Rampage Jackson by three rounds of wrestling. King Mo, this was not a fun fight. This was not a fight where I thought either guy elevated themselves, but Chael Sonnen, like he did against Vanderlei last year, got the job done, stuck to his basics. Um, I'm not sure I really need to see Rampage fight again. That's my personal take, but you know, this is kind of what we predicted coming in. Well, it's like this. Not only did Chael out wrestle Quentin, but he outboxed Quentin. He outboxed, he outstruck him. Quentin can say all he wants that, that, um, Chael fought like a little B or whatever, but if that's how little B fights, and let me fight like a little B all day. <laughs> how Lee fought because Chael was right there, was sticking and moving. One, two, bit, bap, touch the body. When Quentin would get close, he'd clinch him inside, trip him. Or, or single leg to a double, you know, ball, ball are. But you know what? You know, Chell came to the, you know, came to the game plan, got the victory. But I wouldn't mind seeing Quentin fight someone that's going to stand the bang with them. You know, give them something like, let them fight Roy Nelson, let them fight Mitrion, let them fight Fedor, let them fight Mir, let them fight those guys, those bigger guys that will stand the bang. Javier Ayala. Put, fight guys like that. Put Rampage in the BKB pit because you make a good point. The only way I want to see Rampage again is a guy who I know is going to box with him. Now Rampage yesterday told MMA Fighting he wants Vanderlei Silva. Yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for I'll sign up for that. That'll probably be a old guy boxing match in an MMA cage. That's fine, but you know we know what's going to happen against anybody else. They're going to take him down and it's going to be a slow, boring fight. Well, it, it depends, man. He's starting to age um, a lot. Looks looks a lot slower. He tires faster. He doesn't throw as much. Um, you, uh, there'll be like, might be a young dog like Tyrell Fortune come in. Give him, give Tyrell Fortune another year. So Tyrell Fortune might be the man to stop Quentin, you know what I'm saying? And, and get him off the game. And, and that's what you don't want to see. I'm hoping Quentin don't end up being like that. But if you stay in the game too long, 
That's what ended yeah, up happening. No, no. Quentin should not be fighting those young guys. Quentin should be calling up Tito Ortiz, calling up Stefan Bonner. This is my personal take. And just being like, hey, we can draw ratings on P- Paramount Network in a fun main event. Let's box. Let's box in the MMA cage. That's what I'm saying. But Chael wins. He's probably the most marketable guy in this tournament for Bellator. It's probably an important win for them. It is interesting, though, to imagine Chael against the winner of Matt Mitrione, Roy Nelson, to see, in fact, how the former middleweight title contender, right, would match up against a true heavyweight. You mean Matt Mitrione and Frank, and, and you mean, I mean, Frank Mir and, uh, Fatal. Is that, do I have the bracket side wrong, wrong side of there? You're right, yeah, because yeah. you would face yeah. the winner. My yeah. bad, my bad completely. Well, let's, let's look at that then. The winner of Frank Mir, Fedor, it's still sort of the same equation. This is what I asked Chael when he was on the show is like, you know, I know you walk around at this weight, but your best work is at middleweight. How are you going to contend with these guys? Do you still feel confident about him contending with the winner of that? Well, I think that's a that's a that's a worse equation than the, the other side, because for Chael, who's he going to train for? You know, um, you can train for the short, quick, the shorter, quicker, athletic heavyweight that has power in his hands, that has good grappling, gets submissions, or you can train for train for a big, taller, southpaw like yourself that has good ground game. So, what are you going to train for? Yeah, if Chael takes Frank down, for example. Frank, yeah. Frank's gonna tap him. I mean, that's that's, yeah, that's the exactly. truth. And and, and look, think about this: if he kicks down Fedor, he could probably get submitted. If he tries to stand with Fedor, he could possibly get knocked out. So pick your poison. That that's the thing. Pick your poison. But that's what is honestly though. That's what makes this this tournament you know interesting. Is you got guys that aren't true heavyweights, guys that have big names going in there against aging heavyweights, and you sort of have this "what would it look like" type scenario. Uh, you know. Chapter one of this tournament, not a, it wasn't the best matchup, but it moved the chains. I'm excited to see where we go from here. What we also saw in that card, though, King Mo, was Rory McDonald winning the welterweight title over Douglas Lima in gutsy fashion. Close decision, but this proved what we talked about coming in, that one, Douglas Lima's for real, but two, the warning you gave us, you weren't sure Rory would win this based on the damage he would end up taking it's another fight where Rory McDonald physically went through hell. How much more of this can he take? Well, you know what? I thought he was. I thought he was gonna be. I actually reached out to Rory on on Instagram, told him, "Hey, man, hey, you proved me wrong." Because I thought the moment the, in the second round, the moment I saw his nose bleeding, I was like, "Okay." And I saw the ties on the turn, and then Rory got it out in the fifth. It was tied. I had it two to two. In the fifth round, he. You know, gutted it out, got the takedown, and stayed on top. And you know what? If you have him, if he might be, you know what? He might be damaged, but if you can stick to a good game plan, you you can you can get those victories. I think what's going to end up happening is you'll see him be more game plan orientated. You're going to see him take, try to take less, less and less damage. He'll be smarter. This this fight, the reason why I took damage is because his calf got damaged. But you notice his nose his nose was well protected, even though it did get touched a little bit. He did, he did a great job protecting that nose. All right, let me ask you this. Now, we know Rory came up training at, at TriStar with GSP. We know GSP was once a very exciting fighter who took some damage in some close fights and pretty much evolved into a safety-first five-round fighter. That's maybe a little harsh, maybe a little – but that's the truth. That's the truth. Is that a model for Rory, like you're saying, to avoid getting in these Robbie Lawler firefights and be a little bit safer? Well, let's be let's be honest. Um, that's that's war. That's what Roy's become recently. Roy's become that. He became, he became that three or four years ago. Actually, five, actually, he became that after the Matt Brown, 
Wait, he lost. Who was Matt Brown or who beat him? He got tired. Well, was he lost the to Waller, then he lost to uh, yeah, Stephen Thompson. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. after after the after the after Robbie Waller fight, he became that. Interesting. So after that... Yeah, after the Robbie fight, he became the the the, the GSP that that go that will go five rounds because when he when he fought Wonder Boy, went five rounds. And I I believe he went five rounds. Yes, he did. He lost the unanimous decision there. Um, now in Bellator, you assume. It might be a wrong assumption because a lot of UFC guys in recent years has come to Bellator and they've lost, by the way. So, but I was going to say, you assume when you come to Bellator, you're not going to fight as many killers in a row. Yet, this was another hard fight where, yes, Rory, his talent won out in the end. But like I said, he took a lot of damage. Douglas Lima is for real. But if you're Rory moving forward, do you, are you going to be relying more on wrestling? What are you going to be doing here? Okay, well, think about this. let's think about this. Um, he has a lot of killers to face. MVP. Another killer, you know what I'm saying? Well, Riz Larkin, he got, got a victory. Even Fernando Gonzalez is a killer, you know. Um, but now let's see. I heard rumors of, of John Fitch coming to Bellator. You know, that's another guy. You have, there, there are people that pop up from everywhere. You don't know who they are, but they'll pop up. Hey, Ben show. Askren, line one. All right. Ben Askren on line one. Maybe that, maybe that's something Coker should be looking for right here. You know, and I saw Ben Askren in LA at the fight and he said he won't come back unless the, unless it's the fight GSP. I asked him that personally. He said, I won't come back unless it's a fight George St. Pierre. By the way, the last three years, Dana White would say, hell no. For all we know, Dana White might be called Ben Askren right now, knowing the UFC's problems of filling out main events and co-main events. Just my two cents there. Well, the thing is, you know what? I, I feel like this. It's a travesty that, um, that, that Ben Askren hasn't had a chance to, um, to show, show, showcase his skills or yes. even face the best in the UFC. You know, he did in the Bellator. He did in the UFC. You know what? Now he was a one FC champion, not a Bellator champion anymore. He's a one FC champion. Give him an opportunity to go out there and face the best, quote unquote. Yeah. Until then, you know, we don't know who the best is. That's a fine look. I'd like to see Askren against Rory. I'd like to see Askren against Woodley. I'd like to see him against GSP. I want to see that one chance, that one Super Bowl fight for Ben Askren if he's on that level. But hey, congratulations to Rory for winning that title. That was a big moment for him. You saw in the emotion of him and, you know, Douglas Lima, hopefully he gets a chance. To, to, to reboot and get another title shot soon because damn like this guy's like top 10 welterweight in the world for sure like this guy was for real and you know what and I, you're, you're right about that. that fight was that fight was a great fight both athletes are for real but i wouldn't mind seeing bellator actually reach out to ben aspirin and give him a one one offer Be like hey we'll give you a we'll give you a one fight deal versus our champion if you win we have two options, or we have a, we have you're locked into another one or two fight deals. Because then, if he if he were to beat Rory, except rematch, or he could fight Lorenz Larkin, or he could fight MVP, he could fight he could fight Lima again in the rematch. There are a lot of possibilities. You know, I, I I'm hoping something that happens for him, but you should just never know what's going to happen in today's today's MMA scene. Well, Kingbo, on that same night of Belter 192, of course, was UFC 220. We didn't get a chance to sort of break down the – it was a, basically a two-fight card. We didn't get a chance to break down the two fights and the spinoff that came out of that, which is Miocic-Cormier. We'll get to that in a second. But just those fights, Miocic-Stipe, heavyweight championship, set the UFC record with his third defense against Francis Ngannou. Kingbo, we thought maybe Miocic Ngannou could look like Tyson Spinks. Instead, it ended up kind of looking like Kane versus JDS two and three. Stipe, you got to take your head off to the guy. Went in there, went through a little bit of hell, and then showed you 
until Kane can get himself healthy, he's the best heavyweight in the world. No question about it. Well, I I, I say he's going to win. <clears throat> I called he's going to win. I just felt like uh, Ngannou was too green. I feel like Ngannou, there's no, he knows how to fight, but he's, he doesn't know how to fight yet. Like, um, he's still learning on the job. You know, I feel like he got thrown thrown out there too fast. Um, yeah, he but, had nothing after the first round. Nothing left. I call, I, call, I said that. I said, I said if, if, if Maoshi can make it past the first round, in the first minute of the second, he's gonna win this fight. That's what I told her. I, I, I just, cause I, you know, with Ngannou, like, just so, he fights off of just instinct. He doesn't, he doesn't learn how to really just fight off of just natural, um, he fights off, off of know-how, and not know-how, but knowledge. Um, but, um, when you watch him, when he fought over him, he threw the uppercut out of nowhere. He's landed big punches out of nowhere, but you never, you never really saw him set anything up. And that's what, that's what I was, that's what, I thought it was gonna be his issue when he fought Maoshi, because I think I thought Stipe would be more to fall back. So sometimes these type of losses can be disastrous. Like I know JD, when JDS lost to Kane the second time. Look, Dos Santos has already been a champion. He's a different story than Ngannou, but still, that was a disastrous five round loss for him. He's really never recovered from. Is this the kind of loss in your mind for Ngannou that he gets better from? Similar to when Stipe lost that five round decision to JDS, or that maybe destroys him because he kind of had his soul taken, right? Like four rounds of no stamina just got ragdolled all over the cage. Well, I take it like this. I take it more like a Brock Lesnar thing. When Brock Lesnar lost to um, Frank Mir, all he knew was just wrestling. He didn't really know fighting. He went out there, lost in the rematch, he came back and did what stopped him. Now, I feel like, I feel like, um, Nganu, it, it, he has two issues, cardio, and he still is green. I feel like the moment he learns, well, the moment he learns how to relax, his cardio will get better. And the moment he learns how to break fights down and sit down and, and, and comprehend what's going on in the in the cage, he'll be he'll be he'll he'll probably beat Stipe because then he'll be able to go five rounds and be able to execute a game plan. Right now, his game plan is to go out there and knock knock you out. So if you notice, all they tout when they talk about Ngannou is his punching power. He has the, he's the biggest, he has the big, hard, strongest punch ever recorded, this and that, but that's what they're talking. And then they show his highlights. It's impressive, but you've yet to see him show anything game plan wise. Well, you know, shout out to Stipe for, for walking through the storm. He did get tagged early. He did have to show you that, that the heart, the chin, the adaptability, that's all there. Gets the big victory. In the Coleman, it was, uh, more of what we thought where Daniel Cormier took care of Vulcan. I mean, disastrously and dominantly just took care of him and showed you that gap in, in experience. There was, there was no question. There was no contest. It was a victory. How this evolved into this spinoff here was, was interesting, King Mo. Now we're going to get Stipe Miocic, Daniel Cormier, July 7th, UFC 226, champion versus champion. Look, this is very big news. This is a very big fight, but I want to ask you this. How we got here from UFC 220 until this fight announcement was interesting because you had Cormier saying, look, guys, I'm not moving up to heavyweight. That's Kane's division. That's Kane's title. He's coming back. The next week, he's like, hey, guys, I'm too small to fight these big heavyweights. Kane dominates me in practice, right? The next week, it's like, hey, guys, I just want to be a dad and a father. I don't want to fight past 40, blah, blah, blah. Guess what happened one day later, Kingbo? He signed to fight the heavyweight champion of the world, Stipe. So is this next level negotiating publicly for DC in terms of how you deal with the UFC these days? I don't know. You know, it, it could be, you know, or the whole time he could have been working the, um, you know, working, the, working the public and talking backstage, talking in the back with the, 
with Dana and with uh, whoever's in charge and m- making a deal. Who knows? But you know what? He hats off to him and Stipe for getting a big fight done. So this is so look, pushing Ngannou into that title fight on 46 days notice was a little bit of desperate matchmaking from UFC to sort of take a chance. Is this guy for real? This is also a little bit of desperate matchmaking, matching Stipe and DC. Like, it's a great fight. But this card, UFC 226 International Fight Week, which is typically, unlike last year, a loaded card for them. You know, they try to get big business from. There might be talking about doing three champion versus championship matches on this card because they're also talking about Cyborg against Amanda Nunez. And they're also talking about TJ Dillashaw moving down to face Demetrius Johnson. King Mo, they, the UFC, used to hate champion versus champion matches. We all remember GSP, BJ Penn too, right? That was a bad case scenario for them. BJ Penn got beat up. He was kind of never the same. So you damage one of your champions automatically in defeat. Now they're rushing out there to maybe do three of these. I love Stipe DC, so don't get me wrong. I'm excited for it. It's a big fight. It means a lot historically. But this is the continuation of UFC like... What can we, who can we match? What can we do? We need buys. Let's just break glass. Let's break everything. Like, this is a little bit desperate here. Well, here's the thing. If you like Stipe and DC, then you have to like the other two. I mean, and I you, love those fights on paper, but do we, do, do, like you always say, divisional rankings, divisions, titles, they don't matter. And UFC's showing you, no, they don't matter. Well, that's, you know, here's the thing, right? That's for the, the, the fans. That's for the people that are paying for the product. It's, you know what? I can't say anything. I'm glad everybody's getting paid. I, I really don't. Just, I don't know what to think about this. You know, I think that they, they're putting themselves in a little issue because what if, what if you have Daniel winning, winning a heavyweight, which could possibly happen, which I think will happen. What are you gonna do with? Is he gonna defend two or five and heavyweight titles? Is he gonna vacate the two or five belt? What's gonna happen? What happens if Amanda beats Cyborg? What are you gonna do with Cyborg? You gonna cut her? What are you gonna do with her? Well, that was then interesting there because Cyborg came out and said. No, guys, I don't want to fight Nunez. I want to defend my title and actually have a division. And now it's UFC saying, no, 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 we need super fights. We need money. Shut up. Like, we're going to make this fight. It's like, it's an it's such an interesting time right now. It really and, is. And let's look, what, if, what if Mighty Mouse beats Dillashaw? Takes about the, what, what happens if every smaller person ends up winning? Then what do you do? What do you do? It causes chaos. It's a dream scenario. These are all dream fights, quote unquote, but it does, the fallout is very chaotic. Well, here's the thing, right? They could have, they could have, they could have squashed this and they could have realized this a lot sooner if they would have let Jose Aldo fight for the 155 belt. And then from then on, they could be like, okay, we made a mistake with that in the past. We're going to avoid this now. We're going to say, if you're going to fight for another belt, you automatically, you know, the smaller guy automatically forfeits. His belt, if he moves up to fight the champion above from the weight class above, they should do something like that just to just to make it fair because then you have all these belts locked up and you know who's going to fight who. What happens if injury? What happens if Daniel were to get hurt holding two belts? Are you going to have two <laughs> two interim t- two? Um, that's going to be crazy. Dude, it's have- becoming boxing. You, I mean, it's not this is not the first time you and I have sort of said, hey, like UFC's got issues, right? Last year was a bad year for them, pay per view wise, star power wise. But they're becoming boxing every day. Yeah, yeah, because what they're gonna do is <laughs> the UFC can have a UFC super champion, 
Then you have a UFC interim super champion. Then you have UFC interim, interim, interim champion. Then UFC champion one. Then UFC champion two. You have like five belts. All right, hold that, <laughs> hold that thought, and I'm going to get back to that in a couple minutes when I bring up the Conor McGregor lightweight division situation. Let me close on this one thing on DC. This gives him a chance to win a title in a second weight class. He says if he wins this fight, he should deserves to be in consideration for the best fighter in history, you know, in that in that group with Anderson Silva, GSP, you know, Fedor, John Jones, whoever you consider, Demetrius Johnson, whatever. Uh you can't really argue with with him there except for this. There's still that John Jones sized hole in his resume. So for your money, would this is this the only way DC can close that Jones chapter without actually beating Jones by moving up, becoming the heavyweight champion? I know you don't care as much about these fan media narratives as I do, but entertain me for a second. Is this the only way? You know what? I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. Why, the reason why I said care is it matter because right now is it matter because it's so soon. They talk about legacy. Say Daniel wins. Say Daniel wins and say um say they, him and Jones never fight again. Let's say Jones comes back and gets smashed by somebody. Or let's say Jones gets suspended for four years. Then what? Like people aren't gonna, people aren't gonna look back and be like, you know what? Daniel did fight Jones and Jones. They're gonna be like, Daniel was a great fighter. You know, he was a great fighter. He lost to Jones. So what? Or but it ended up being no contest. They ain't gonna go back and relitigate that. They're gonna say it was a great fight. He lost. Ended up being no contest, but he was a great fighter. His record was twenty and one or twenty one and one. I don't know his record is twenty one oh one one something. But no one's gonna ten years from now, fifteen years from now. No one's going to go back and look about that. Think about this. Sakuraba versus Hoist Gracie in Vegas. What do you think about that fight? Was that the one that went 45 minutes? Which one was that? I think I think it went a while, yeah. I haven't even watched that in a long time. Yeah, but guess what? That fight was was overturned, I believe, because I think Hoist was a drug test. Yes, like that. that's right, right. That but was... no, here's the thing. No one cares. No one just knows that that was a good fight. <laughs> that's why I brought it up. All right, that was uh... – all right, so they fought twice. So you're talking about the rematch, right? 2007, Gracie tested positive for anabolic steroids. Yeah. Original... Or, 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 or when Mark Hunt fought um, Bigfoot. That was a great fight. No one's going to be like, oh, man, that would have been a great fight had it not been for Bigfoot filling a drug test. They're going to be like, that's a great fight. When it comes down to it, people are going to see the action. People are, when it, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the future, people are going to look, look, look in the past and be like, you know what? This guy, Daniel Cormier, was a great fighter, great in the mic. You know what? Bam, great wrestler. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. Now, right now, we are always like now, 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 now. But the, it's always about it's always about the future. Because look, look at Ali's legacy. Ali's legacy now is bigger than I think it's bigger than it ever's been. It's ever been after death. Even when he's alive, back in the sixties, people loved him, but people love him more now. Well, you're right. Things change quick, right? Like, let's not forget last summer we were writing. John Jones is definitely the greatest of all time now after he beat Cormier and look what happened next. And for all we know, like you said, John Jones could be out four years. He could be back in July and we could be talking about Jones Cormier three at heavyweight later this fall. Like who actually knows? It's interesting. And the one final thing on the UFC 220 fallout we've picked against, or I've personally picked against Stipe a lot. We're going to pick against him in this DC fight. Gun to your head very early, five months away. Who do you like in the Stipe DC fight? I like Daniel. I'll tell you why. And there's one thing people don't really notice about Daniel. He'll, he fights small. And you notice guys that are taller. When they fight, when you fight, when, when you're fighting a guy that fights small like Daniel, you, and you throw your jab, you're there, you're there to get countered. Watch when Daniel fought Bigfoot. You know what I'm saying? The jab overhand. Dan, the way Daniel fights, he's small, good, he has great cardio, good wrestling, and he has great control in the clinch, especially the upper body clinch. 
I feel like Stipe gasses. And I feel like when Stipe gets frustrated, you can see it in his face because he starts to walk off and fight towards the cage. I think Dan will take advantage of that, and Dan will beat him. I like Daniel on paper, too, in what is a, da- a very dangerous fight for him. It's, it's just interesting, the whole um, Kane situation, right? Because now Kane is quoted as saying, hey, if we got to fight, we got to fight. This is like John Jones, Rashad Evans all over again, potentially. Like, there's some there's some potential drama, marketable drama there. Should DC win the championship and Kane come back healthy? Friend versus friend. Oh, come on, King Mo. Guys like me, this is these are narratives. This is pro wrestling stuff here. I'm getting fired up. It's pro wrestling, but the thing is, when Kane comes back, he ain't fought in what? He's fought once in three years? He hasn't like, fought since UFC 200 in 2016. There's so many UFC. What's, what UFC number are we on right now? Uh, 221 coming up. Okay, that, I don't know. That just seems like too many numbers, but he's, a, he's fought what? Kane's fought twice in the past four years, maybe? Basically. I mean, he beat the crap out of Travis Brown that never came back, right? I mean, it's just like we haven't seen this guy forever. Yeah, so, so the thing is, like, He's going to go through training camps. He's going to have to go through fights. Can he stay healthy through all this? That's, That's the million-dollar question. Because, he he by the way, he's the, great, he's the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. This just in. Kane, he still is. He still is, Kingbo. Come on. I don't know. Nobody has know. that cardio. Nobody. No, but no one has that cardio. But how long does, how long does Ryan last for? That's for, Yeah, just two fights in five years, right? He had the loss to Verdum exactly. at, at Elevation, and then he came back against Travis Brown. And the thing is, no one has that cardio, but look, I love Kane. Kane has great cardio, but explain his cardio in, in Mexico City. Good point. Good point. What happened uh, there? It's just styles. Styles, because I think I feel like Verdum will always be a problem for Kane. What are you going to do? Take him down? Kane, and then Kane can have a problem with Verdum because his length and his knees and his teeps and his jabs. When you clinch him, you, we're, we're deal with his, you can deal with his knees. So I think Verdum stylistically will always be a problem for Kane. You know, you know what you just said without saying? You just said, hey, BC, prime Kane, the guy who beat up Brock Lesnar with the big fluffy beard, that guy's not coming through that door anymore. That was like 2010. Get over it. It's a new Kane. It's an older, uh, injury affected Kane. We gotta be careful here. I gotta be careful on saying, hey, once Kane does walk through that door, guys, get the belt ready for him. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying older because 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 he's older doesn't mean you're more um that you, that means you're more prone to get hurt. Especially heavy. No, like, yeah. Smarter, he's still train smarter, but I just feel like he'll be his time will be off. He'll be rusty. His range will be off. I think that he'll have to shake that rust off him because he ain't he ain't really he ain't been really active um as of as of lately. And that's one thing Kane was was known for. That's what helped him was his activity in the cage. But he hasn't been in the cage yet, and he hasn't been active, so. Let's see what happens. Hey, heavyweight's fun again. And heavyweight was potentially not going to be fun if Stipe won because there'd be nobody left for him to fight. Now we've got some interesting players involved. King Mo, I want to get back in that UFC title discussion and the whole thing of like, look, I'm a boxing guy. been a boxing journalist for almost a decade, boxing fan for 35 years, whatever. I know I watched boxing take a fall. I watched it slowly happen. I watched, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, too much greed, too many belts. I teased that earlier that I feel like UFC is unfortunately going in that direction. And a big moment that gave me a really bad taste in my mouth was the day before UFC 220 when UFC had that press conference to announce the UFC 223 main event April 7th in Brooklyn, which we know to be Tony Ferguson, Habib Nurmagomedov for the fourth time. They're going to try to make this fight. Great fight. We all love it. But that dog and pony circus show that Dana White rolled out that day that really needs to continually get ripped where he says, look, that fight April 7th is for the undisputed lightweight champion. Guess what happened next, King Mo? Every journalist raised their hand and said, whoa, Dana, so did you strip Conor McGregor? 
Dana says, well, no, we didn't. And anytime somebody tried to follow up, he did that Dana thing where he makes fun of you, where he says, are you guys idiots? How do you not understand? Hey, Dana White, we do understand. You're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You're trying to do a, do a, do a, a bait and switch thing here. You're basically saying April 7th is going to be for the full title. So hey, everybody buy all the pay-per-views, right? And then when Connor's ready to come back, that will also be for the full title. King, well, this is crap, and you know this is crap. So is Connor the lightweight super champion? I know it doesn't really matter, but, like, they're not even pretending anymore that it doesn't matter. Like, it used to be they'll just throw out an interim title. They'll do whatever. That you know, not, They're not even pretending anymore. They're just like, it doesn't matter. The belts don't matter. We need you to buy our pay-per-views. So whenever Connor's ready to come back, it'll still be for the full championship. Like, what the hell's going on here? You know what's going on is, like, like the MMA, like, it's a few things. I think the main thing is the demographics of the MMA fans changed. I know you're in New York. Did you see the crowd in New York? How it just seemed different. The compared the normal the normal MMA group, it just seemed a little more different. I feel like it's a younger group now, and I feel like now they can finesse the younger group. They can finesse them a little more because they're more they're they, they're they're they've been they've been kind of brainwashed because their parents or their older sibling was a fan, so now they're on board. So they can sell them whatever. And, you know, they'll talk to their parents into buying it or talking to their parents into going and paying for it. But it's a younger crowd right now. I feel like what they're doing is they're trying to tap into the younger market to do something. This is pro wrestling in a sense. Indie pro wrestling. Bad indie pro wrestling. <laughs> but that That's was embarrassing, King Mo. He literally did not have answers. Like he was caught in a lie and and couldn't explain it. Like they held, they held a press conference. With no, like, game plan. Like, they didn't even, you know, like, promoters lie to the media constantly to kind of, like, fight off questions and change the narrative. They weren't even, like, try, like they had no game plan prepared. Think about this. Think about this, though. Think about this. They, if this was 10 years ago, a lot of people, that especially, like, around my age, would have been quiet. They're like, yeah, yeah. But now the, we're getting older and we're like, hey, this is, this makes no sense. It's stupid. Now the, the younger group that's taking our age is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's all it is. We're starting to open our, open up our eyes and see, hey, this is some BS. But the younger group are like, hey, we like this. This is cool. That's all it is. If you look at, look, if you look at like, um, the original, look at the, look at the, the old school, um, um, reporters, uh, uh, Josh Gross and who's the, the female that Loretta they call Hunt. the, Loretta Hunt and all them. They're, they're kind of put and pushed out, but they, they would have spoke out. Now, the fans, the fans like they were around my age was wouldn't have said nothing. And now that's what you're seeing. Like we're like you speaking out. You know what I'm saying? Other people speaking out. Now the fans, a lot of them, if you notice, the the older fans are saying something. The younger ones are just they're quiet. I'm just saying, look, I've been around Bob Arum a long time. I've been around Don King. Like they're always lying half the time. But there's almost an art to the lie when you're a promoter. And Dana's towed that line before. Look, he's not, you can't believe anything that comes out of Dana's mouth the last few years. We know this. But my point is, he didn't even have a lie prepared for this. Like, this was embarrassing. This was a low moment. Like, he came out and was like, yeah, Connor's still the champion, but this fight will still be for the championship. What do you guys not understand? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I, my whole point on boxing is this. Like, I saw it crumble, and I saw it constantly go in the wrong direction. UFC was different for one reason. Dana White and, and Zufa and the Fertitta brothers saved a dying sport, right? They brought it for cheap, and they spent a lot of money to build it up. They nearly went bankrupt. They saved a dying sport, so because of that, they had all the control. There's no competing promoters in UFC. It's all in-house. They're losing the control now. Because MMA has evolved for the right reasons, right? Fighters are not just taking last-minute rematches 
to be company men to not lose their place in line. Like, it's changing. It's changing for the better of fighters, by the way. This is great. UFC, this is a very important time for them. They're not adjusting properly. And it didn't help that they just sold for $4 billion more than a year ago, and now they need to make that money up. This is like wild, wild West UFC times right now. Like, the promotional tricks they're trying to pull out, like, it's unbelievable to me at this moment. Well, makes, make, to make things worse, even if you say, let's say this, say Dana said that no, nobody, no reporter said anything. Connor went on, on Twitter and been like, hey, I'm still, I'm still the champion at 145 and 155. If you think about it, he's never been stripped. He's never been told, hey, you're stripped of the title. Either one, from what I've seen, I, he might have been told, hey, you're stripped of the belt. Wink, wink. Right. But I, I don't know. I don't. Really why not think strip he's... him now? Though, let me ask you this: If if you're Dana White in the UFC, why not straight up say, "Okay, Connor, sorry, dude, it's going to be two years by the time you come back. We just stripped Jermaine Durand of me after like 45 days. Why? Like, we got to take the belt from you. Are they just not? They don't want to make him mad. Is what's going on here? Yeah, they don't want to make him mad because the thing is, like, they've lost power. They've lost power. The fighters gain more power, and they've lost it. And, 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 and in a sense, that's I feel like that's why I feel like in a sense they're kind of sab- trying to sabotage themselves in a sense. Take power back because they could be like, Hey, we gave you guys power and look at the ratings. Now we're taking the power back so the yeah. race can go back up. I feel like because it just don't seem right to, for them to, for them to be doing this unless they're just that, you know, um, unorganized. I'm not Which, cheering for the UFC's demise. I'm not cheering for bad pay per view buys, but here's what I'm cheering for, King Mo UFC to adjust to what's really going on right now. And here's what's really going on right now. They are a watered-down product, right? The month of December, they had five cards, right? Like, every weekend, there's a card with really one, one-and-a-half fights that a casual fan would care about, that even a somewhere between a casual and a hardcore fan would care about. Like, they need to adjust to the fact right now that they don't have a ton of stars. They don't have a product that every week is hot fire. So they're going to have to do less and give fans more because there are so many pay-per-views where you're buying for one fight like you do in boxing, by the way. And there are so many pay-per-views like UFC 222 less than a month on March 3rd where they still don't have a main event. And they are furiously trying to throw cash at, at left and right because it's like I said, it's not like the old days. You can't just call up Rich Franklin and say, hey, company guy, here's 300000 We need you to fight this guy one weight class up to save the card. Those days are over. Fighters are saying, why am I going to – like TJ Dillashaw yesterday, right? They called him up and said, would you fight Cody rematch last minutes to save UFC 222? Max Holloway's injured. He can't fight Edgar. TJ's like, hey, guys, you didn't give me a rematch when I lost to Dominic Cruz by split decision. I had to fight for two years to get that rematch back. So I'm going to fight Cody on four weeks. What, are you kidding me? You can't do that anymore, King Mo. But UFC will not adjust to that. They're, they're being too stubborn. Maybe they have too much money to pay back from that $4 billion. I'm not sure. But they need to adjust. So I'm not cheering for their demise, but I'm cheering for them to wake up and say, you got to take some L's right now. You can't keep floating out titles. You can't keep creating divisions. Stand firm. Restructure the deck. Make the best fight the best. Do things the right way. You know what? I'll, you know what's the funny thing? <clears throat> Boxing is becoming like MMA. MMA is becoming more like boxing. <laughs> you're right. You're, Bob Arum is influenced by the UFC like openly right now. Not, not just Bob Arum, but Al Heyman as well. And then now, if you see, they started. They took the, they took MMA, they took boxing from pay per view and brought it to the main. They brought it to cable television. It's back on Showtime, ESPN. Like it's on. It's on everything. MMA in a sense. MMA did the same thing. Put. 
free to put free content out there, but in, in a sense, for UFC, most of their their, their gold is on pay per view, and their gold has been looking like bronze yes. lately. <laughs> yes. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But it's going to come down to maybe a little change, and uh, who knows when, the, when that's going to be? Or is it come down to maybe having having Bellator has to do better, but, but Bellator improve, let PFL improve, let One FC improve? Because once once uh, once every organization is on even you know even standing, that's when the money's going to really increase for all the fighters. Hey, you see bid wars. You're going to see yeah. everything get bigger. It's a good time to be Bellator right now, right? Where UFC is like an underachieving product, and Bellator knows they have the right guys in place to at least get big ratings. I know they're trying to tip back into the pay-per-view game. They did Bellator NYC last year, but it's a good time if you're going to be a rival, a legitimate number two, to sort of make a run. Just like, you know, Vince McMahon trying the XFL again against the NFL, it might be the best time for him to try that. It might be the best time for Bellator to, to really make a big move here. Yeah, and a big move for Bellator if I were them. I wouldn't even go in the pay-per-view. I would try to, I would try to reach out to, I don't know, I, I don't know if you could give a CBS like that and just get back, get, try to get, try to get a super car, them super fights or try to get three or four, three or four fights a year on, you know, on network TV. You know what I'm saying? Hey, there's a track it, record. Didn't Kimbo Slice fight in front of like seven million that time on CBS? Yeah. Kimbo Slice, he, his fight, I think his fight was, I think his fight was the most, most watched fight ever in MMA history. You know, in America, I think he got beat by uh, um, Kane versus Junior. I could be wrong on that, but you know, um, Kimbo became became an instant star off the internet and from that fight. No, no, no question about it. So the UFC issues did. Maybe it's some bad karma here. Maybe all the shortcuts they took last year are catching up with them. But man, Max Holloway just pulled out of UFC 222, right? They thought, well, we'll do Edgar Ortega. For an interim title, but now Brian Ortega saying, "No, guys, I'm still living in the ghetto in L.A. You gotta pay me. You gotta pay me first. You got, you know, T.J. telling, telling, I don't want to do the Cody rematch. Now Cody's on Twitter saying, "I'll fight Edgar last minute. Let's do something to save this card." King Mo, there's a pay per view in less than a month with no main event, and there's no other card. On, there's no other fight in the card that's worthy of a co-main. This is one thing, the one moment. But it's happening month after month. We know that Australia card got hit bad when Whitaker pulled out. It feels like karma is catching up to them. So hopefully they can make the right adjustments because it's it's a rough time right now. King Mo, let me transition into this. And I hate talking about this, but it won't go away. Our guy Floyd Mayweather, uh, he won't stop teasing us on social media that he's going to take a UFC fight. I know he's not. You know he's not. What's really going on here? You got any inside info? Is this just him trying to do infomercials wearing shorts with product placement on it? Because he's now trolling us to the point where he's in a cage with gloves on. Well, if you watch the first video, he did mention the sponsor on the shorts in that video. I, I, what, for what I know, the guy, um, I think that, um, Floyd signed an MMA fighter, Mahmoud. He's from Uzbekistan. Um, his, his bodyguard, Jizzy Mac, has a fighter. Uzbekistan's a good fighter named Mahmoud. I can't say his last name. I'll butcher it. But, uh, um, I think Floyd's man, Floyd manages him now. He's part of the main team in MMA. So I believe maybe Floyd might look to, do MMA cards maybe? Because you notice he was there and he never said he never said Floyd Mayweather UFC. He said Floyd Mayweather MMA. He never said any organization. So people are like, oh UFC? No, he said MMA. He never said any organization. So I'm thinking that he might try to maybe do do like um, um MMA. I can't promote cards, have mixed cards, MMA, a hybrid card, MMA, unboxing card or something like that. Or who knows? I don't know, but ah. He's teasing something, and I think that's what he's trying to tease. So there's half of the public that's actually fooled by this and is like, 
Floyd's really going to take the money and fight Connor. Like, no, no, he's never doing that. Look, he won't even fight Keith Thurman two years ago in a boxing match. Like, he's not going to, he's not going to do that. Okay. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, UFC can't afford him, by the way, as well. So let's be honest about that. I mean, unless he's going to fight like CM Punk in some kind of like Bellator inspired type of match, which I would watch, by the way. But unless he's going to do that, he's not going to fight in MMA. So does this a smoke screen to then reveal in a month? But I am fighting Connor in a boxing rematch in June or July. Like, do you think there's any potential for that? Nah, here's what it is. I think Floyd, I think Floyd is, he's man, he's got, he signed the MMA fighter of the money team. He's gonna promote him. Word in the street is, you know, saying, for I heard from, from, from my sources a while ago is that Al Heyman's gonna have to give him a boxing and he's gonna give a few of his fighters to Floyd. I mean, to Floyd, but to Dana. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, so I think, I think what's gonna happen is Dana and Floyd might co-promote some Zufa boxing cards in Vegas. And on the side, I think Floyd might do a few MMA boxing hybrid cards in Vegas. Which is, you know, I've said, I've said this before. Remember BKB that was there for a hot second? They should buy the BKB pit, right? That little circle with the with the ramps behind it and do these sort of like basically kickboxing matches. Well, but BKB's back in uh, back in England. And it's, it's actually doing pretty good oh, in England. Oh, really? Right it's now. still around? Yeah, it's back in England. It's... It's doing its thing in England. I I kind of been keeping a close eye on it, just watching it, you know, here and there. And, hey, they uh, might float a paycheck to you, right? You got hands. Hey, <laughs> I, I I do BKB when I'm done doing MMA. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Floyd, you can go away with this MMA talk. I don't. By the way, I don't want a Floyd Connor boxing rematch. Nobody does. But the sad reality is they could probably spin a narrative and still make half the money and still do 2.3 million pay per view buys and still. It's just stop, stop the madness. It wouldn't do 2.3 million buys. Um, maybe if Floyd lost an arm and a leg and Connor was, Connor had got, went in, went 10 fights by knockout in a row versus the top welterweights. Yes, yes. Yeah, but the fight, if it can't, if it happened again, it would get, it'd get pirated, streamed even more and, it probably do about maybe a million buys. Yeah. So if that, if I, I know what, if not, know what, Floyd's been gone. That fight happened last year. Know it. It wouldn't even do a million buys, to be honest with you. It would get streamed. It'd yeah. probably be lucky to do half a million. Like Teddy Atlas says, I'd just say stop that crap. Stop that crap. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. Uh, King Mo, Ronda Rousey uh, consummated the tease, and she did appear at the WWE's Royal Rumble card a week ago, pointed to the sign in the sky to WrestleMania. ESPN broke the news that she did, in fact, sign a full-time deal with them. I think WWE was smart here and not having her appear in the Rumble. They're going to, you know, stretch this out. I think the big reveal is her match, whatever it's going to end up being. Dave Meltzer, the pro wrestling scribe, says, well, hey, it might be a tag team match with The Rock, like teased at WrestleMania 31 a few years ago. Uh, what's your take on, on Ronda going in this direction here? Mm, you know what? I, I, would, I think they should have the announcer's table. But I, one thing, one thing for, for what I saw... It's weird because I'm, I'm happy for Ronda. I think she's doing her thing. But I think that the way Ronda was in the UFC is how she should be now. And the way she is now is how she should have been when she got to the UFC at first. Explain that. Or Explain that. MMA. Okay. If you notice in MMA, she always played the, the bad girl. Mm-hmm. You know, when they interviewed her and she was always she always looked mad. You know, she always had that mean girl face on. Right? She always had on. And she said that she was inspired by pro wrestling. So she was kind of a heel yeah. in MMA. Yeah, she was a heel. But really she wasn't. You know what I'm saying? She was, she was, she was a heel, but she wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't a true heel, in my opinion. But then you watch her MMA, 
I mean, you have in, in, in WWE, you see she's smiling, yeah. she's laughing. She can't hold on to that 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 character of being the the badass. She's laughing, she's giggling, she's like looking down, covering her face. That's how she should have been in MMA because then people people I I feel like people don't really they know her, but they know the the I'm the fighter girl. They don't know the the fan, the 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 smiling, the the laughing. They know her. They know the the Ronda Rousey that that, that fights and there's embroiled in turmoil. They don't know because that the the, the the Ronda Rousey I see, and when she when she's involved in, when she's involved in wrestling, seems like she's like enjoying herself a lot more than the one I see when she's fighting. Yeah, it looked like pure happiness came out of her, and you make an interesting point. Like. Maybe the best way to market her in wrestling is as a heel. Yet it's sort of like she was like America's sweetheart. She came out smiling, shaking hands. So that that was sort of interesting. Maybe uh, it's tough because we can't forget. Like she's coming off of two disastrous knockout losses. And the thing is, looking even deeper than this, and I, and I started and I just thought about it. Like when I win, I'm like whatever, let's go. But when when Ronda won a few times, it looked like she was relieved it was over with. Like like oh my gosh, like ah. Uh, now it's over. Oh my gosh. Now I can just, ah, uh, that was stressful. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I know she's a competitor, but I feel like in MMA, I feel like there's so much on her, so much riding on her, and she had so much going on that I think that she put unnecessary pressure on herself. Oh, I agree with that. And I think WWE kind of killed this surprise and reveal because they've been teasing this for like almost a year, right? Like, they put out videos of her last summer having a face off with Charlotte Flair. Like, they've been. They, they're the ones who probably called TMZ when she had dinner with Triple H like a month ago, right? Like they were the ones who've been pushing this narrative. So it lost its surprise. I give Rhonda credit though. She flew to Columbia last week to film a uh, mile 22, the movie with Mark Wahlberg. Like a few days before the rumble, TMZ called her at the airport. And she's like, guys, I'm not going to be back in the U.S. until February. So they handled that surprise well. And then she took a private jet back, all that. She, she made the surprise, but I don't think this had a as big of a crossover impact as they hoped because she handled those two losses exiting UFC as horrible as you could handle them, which we've already talked about, you know, ad nauseum. And I think that kind of kills her, some of her star power and some of the, the buzz of what this move is. And what's interesting is ESPN had the exclusive access with her this weekend. Ramona Shelburne did a sit down interview with her the day of the rumble in a hotel room. I don't know if you caught that interview, King Mo, but when she was asked by Ramona, you know, are you done in MMA? And Ronda sort of snapped and was like, look, I never retired from judo. I never retired from MMA either. So people can say what they want. But then Ramona said, all right, Ronda, it's been a, you know, a year since you last fought in the UFC. You've had two disastrous losses. Do you think about them? King Mo, you got to watch this video. Ronda Rousey instantly turned away from the camera. Her face got sad and she fought off tears and said, I can't, I can't talk about this after like 30 seconds of silence. And that silence felt like it was about an hour. She still literally can't come to terms with losing those MMA fights. And it was like this, like taking a little viewfinder into her soul. Like she literally has not come to terms with that. And I thought it like for as bad as she's handled defeats, this moment was like almost sad to watch. You know, but I think that it's going to help her in the long run when she goes back and looks at it. But the WWE, they were smart by leaking stuff at leaking, leaking, leak, leaking little Ronda Rousey teasers out. You know why? Because off, they knew she took, she knew, they knew those two losses she had. She took them, she took them horribly. They knew they were disastrous. So they're putting out feelers to see how the how the fans would react. And obviously those feelers came back positive because the fans, they could have when Ronda Rousey came out, they could have booed her. They could have they could have chanted Amanda Nunez or 
or Holly Holmes' name. They didn't. They just they cheered for Ronda. There, as a matter of fact, there are points in the, during the Rumble they were actually chanting Ronda's name. So, so I you wonder know if WWE they, is yeah. is part of this. Like, hey, Ronda, we're gonna push you as a babyface because maybe they know they got to keep her confidence up. If she comes out as a heel and people are booing her and holding up signs of Holly Holm kicking her in the head, that might make her run off. Like maybe they're maybe they're trying to manage her ego and her her emotions the same way. By we'll make you America's sweetheart again. We'll because I think you got to kind of build her on like a Goldberg style unbeaten run to get the most out of her, right? You got to make her invincible. Yeah, but you don't want to do a Goldberg style because that's when because you don't forget you're dealing with wrestling fans. <laughs> That's when all the, you know, and then what are you going to do? You're going to ban them from bringing posters of, of pictures of, of Ronda getting knocked up by Holly Holm. You're going to ban that. You're going to ban her from, ban fans from bringing posters of, of, of Amanda Nunez punching Ronda. What are you going to do? So I think what they should do, they should, if anything, they should keep Ronda as, have her matches here and there, squash matches here and dark, as dark matches for a while, but have her be on TV as the enforcer of some sort. Maybe the bodyguard for, for right now. Right. Yep. For, maybe for, for right Shayna Baszler, by the way, who's doing really good in NXT. She fought for the championship the night before the Rumble. Um, Shayna Baszler made the adjustment from UFC to, to pro wrestling really well. Maybe Ronda could be that, that sidekick that puts people in arm bars and, and intimidates a bit. But see, but see, but see here's, here's my issue, right? Okay. You have Shayna Baszler. UFC. I mean, she's, 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 she's in NXT. You have Adam Cole, NXT. You have War Machine, NXT. You have EC, Space three, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> NXT, NXT, um, NXT. You have O'Reilly Fish, Ricochet, Ricochet, NXT, Amber Moon, NXT, Leo Rush, NXT, Donovan Dijan, NXT. But then you have Ronda Rousey, WWE. That doesn't make no sense. You feel what I'm saying? That makes no sense. You have people that can wrestle. If anything, maybe they should move Ronda to NXT for a few, just just behind the scenes. They moved her up because if they have a match for her. In April, she will not be ready unless she's doing, unless she's wrestling six to seven hours a day. She will not be ready because that's a, that's a different type of yeah. pace that, that leads me to believe, that leads me to believe that she'll be having to face, she'll be facing Charlotte Flair because Charlotte's the only one that can talk her through a match. Well, she has been training with the Brian Kendrick in California. There's, you know, she actually Rhonda leaked video a month ago of her training with Natalia. So, she said she's going all in, but then you hear Meltzer reporting that it could end up being this tag team match like Triple H and Stephanie against The Rock and Ronda. That would protect her. That would that would lead you to believe she's not ready. If she ends up in there in a tag team match with The Rock, it means she's not ready. If they believe in her, then she'll fight Charlotte. That's my take. No, 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 no. Because I'll tell you this. If if they believed in her, they'd have a fight someone like Alexa Bliss. You know what I'm saying? Or somebody like, um, what's it, Lana? Somebody that's green. But – if you if you have doubts on some a, a young up and coming um uh, wrestler, you put them with a, a vet because a vet can can walk his can like talk his way through a match or call spots with no problem with their eyes closed. So someone like Charlotte be able to guide Ronda, protect Ronda through a match and make her look right because there are parts when you have a headache when you have a headlock and they're like arch your back and you know when you when you when the, when you arch your back they'll crank act like you're they're cranking the hold so to to the public it looks like. You're getting you're you're getting twisted. You're getting you're getting stretched. They have little tricks like that. I feel like if if they if they're smart, they put Ronda in a tag team match with 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 you know with The Rock versus Triple versus Triple H and Stephanie, or they'll have her face Charlotte and Charlotte can carry the match. And then you'll see a, a you'll see a Usuka 
have a squash match with Alexa Bliss, most likely. Oh yeah, Asuka's gonna win that belt soon. There's no, there's no yeah. question about that. She's absolutely dominant. I wanna, I don't know if you, did you, did, you saw some of the Royal Rumble. Did you happen to see any of the Brock Lesnar triple threat match with Kane and Braun Strowman? I watched it all. All right, I wanna bring this up for one reason. It's part of the reason why Brock Lesnar is still fun to watch in the WWE is that his matches always feel like sometimes they tease reality, right? That's the hook. He's the UFC fighter in WWE. We've seen it in WrestleMania a few years ago when Roman Reigns caught him with a knee. Brock responded by clotheslining him from hell. Like, there's moments in that. Samoa Joe, I had him on the wrestling podcast of In This Corner, and he said, you have to prepare for a real fight when you wrestle Brock because sometimes it goes in that area. And he says, if you don't gain Brock's respect in the match, he won't be willing to sell for you. And sometimes to gain his respect, you have to kind of – Hit him with a potato. Like you got it. I don't know if you saw when Brock, when Braun Strowman hit that knee to the side of Brock's head, that definitely looked legit. And Brock responded with the receipt where he threw an uppercut and then landed a stiff, legit punch to the side yeah. of Braun's head and then swore him out for like 10 seconds. That was real. Down. He said, slow the F down because, because the thing, and that's the thing. People that understand wrestling vets, they know don't rush nothing. Let it build. Braun Strowman went in there, and and I, and I have the same issue, you know. And Braun Braun's a vet compared to me. I'm a, I'm still a rookie in a sense. He went in there excited and was trying to do too much, and th- and then he got t- and he got he got rep- got reprimanded, rightfully so, by Brock. But you know, that's part of wrestling, man. You have to you, you have to gain gain you know gain you know p- gain experience, man, and uh and be relaxed in there. Let let things build because a lot of times when you try to force things to happen, you try Make things happen and, and go fast. It looks sloppy. Good point. What's well, a wrap on wrestling, King Mo? A couple weeks ago on Impact Wrestling, it looks like the ATT angle came to a close when our guy Dan Lambert got speared through a table by Lashley and subsequently EC3 uh, left Impact, signed with with NXT WWE. And there's rumors that Lashley will do the same. There's rumors that he wants a feud with Lesnar coming up. Uh I really am down with the idea. Lashley's been away so long, but anybody that hadn't been watching Impact in recent years, Lashley's doing really good work. Like, he's in his early 40s, but he's still at the peak, at the very top of, of what we've seen. Because, look, let's remember, his WWE run, it was rushed. It was early. He was green. He got pushed out there quickly. I think he could do big things on the main roster in WWE if he does get the chance. Yeah, him versus, him versus Brock would be big time. Um, but I, at the same time, what are they gonna do with versus, versus Braun Strowman? What are they gonna do to? I don't know. It, I, Cause what's what's gonna be Bobby's introduction? Is this gonna be him coming out and attacking uh uh Brock, or will they will they kind of tease him? I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do, but maybe have him inter- in NXT for a while, have him win the NXT belt, and then bring him up when Brock's ready to do that program. Nah, cause like that. Honestly, like I just I feel like the NXT thing. I think that I think move that thing is a slap in the face for guys to be going there like you know ha- having having Adam Cole there and having O'Reilly and Fish there and having War Machine there and all I think it's a slap in the face. Sending Samoa Joe there slap in the face. Bobby Roode going there slap in the face. Shinsuke Nakamura going there it's a big time slap in the face. I, I feel like um that I don't I, maybe I don't know maybe they, they do something there to watch the the impact sent off of them maybe go to New Japan. For a year first, then oh, comes they've the, been in talks, dude. Imagine Lashley yeah. in, in New Japan. That'd be some. There'd be some hellacious matches there. Yeah, Lashley, New Japan. He could do a little. He could do a little. Um, a little, face Naito. He can face. Uh, um, he can face anybody. Face, have his own faction versus the Bullet Club. Who knows? It could be or join the Bullet Club. Who knows? It could be. It could be. They could do a lot. 
you see where Meltzer reported that Hulk Hogan almost joined the Bullet Club like about six months ago, but that you know they didn't have enough money. He didn't want to you know to be tied onto a schedule. Could you imagine the Young Bucks coming out with Hulk Hogan? Like what were what planet would we be on? Oh my god! Because then they could possibly say too sweet again. I don't. <laughs> I, I would love to see Hulk Hogan. Hey, he follows the money. One thing Hogan does, he always follows the money. Yeah, because him him and the Bullet Club would be real cool. I I I I would I would I'd mark out. All right, to close on Lambert, though, in ATT, that was a fun little angle. It lasted a while longer than I thought it would on Impact Wrestling. Uh, Dan Lambert did was able to show the world that he's a natural heel, like he's legit. I, we, we saw Colby Covington. We saw your guy Gleason T-Bow. We saw a few of the ATT guys get involved. You got involved. Hey, fun little piece of business they did there. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm hoping to see the teaser, Heyman and Brock versus Lambert. And lastly, hey, hey, WWE, come on, you got you got some footage to watch of Dan Lambert. He could do things. And on the mic, could you imagine them going back and forth, Heyman and Lambert going back and forth on the mic? That'd be crazy. That that would not be bad. Uh, King Mo, before we get out of here, there is a little bit of MMA news that is uh, taking up the world from this past weekend's card in UFC Bellum in Brazil. It was that. Flyweight debut for Valentina Shevchenko and the destruction, the two-round decision, the two-round submission against Priscilla. Do you know how to pronounce that last name? Nah, but I know this. Kuchera, something like that. I missed this card, King Mo, because I was on the cruise ship. But Dana White's blasting referee Mario Yamasaki, calling him incompetent for how long he allowed Priscilla to take that beating from Valentina. Now you got Mario coming out on social media and saying, "Quote: The way I see it, I allowed." Pedrita to be a warrior and keep fighting. You're a fighter. There's a lot of debate now between throwing in the towel as a manager and what that does to fighters' potential fight bonus and how it affects them financially. That you're helping a fighter financially by letting him take a longer beating. Where do you where do you weigh in on all of this? Well, the, the blame ain't on Mario Yamasaki. Don't blame him. You can't blame him. You know who you blame. Do you know who you blame? Do you, do you want me to tell you? Go for it. You blame the matchmaker. Because the matchmaker knows the girl record. Could easily went to, you know what? Let me Google. Let me get footage of this girl. Let me watch her fight. She's undefeated. Who is she fight? Because she's fighting a former um, a titleist, um, a former um, woman that fought for the title. You know, contender. Yeah, one, one of the top pound for pound women yeah, in the world. Challenge. Yeah, so let me see. Let me, let me make sure this is even because I'm not trying to go out there and have a fellow Brazilian get smashed in their own country. True. And that's who you blame because really let's be let's be real. I watched the fight. It was one sided as heck, but the girl did fight back. She took a beating, but whenever when when you're when you're the back in the back in the backstage in the locker room and the referees come up and say, Hey, here's how I'm gonna ref the fight. Now look Mo, if you're in your back and you're getting hit and I say, Hey, defend yourself, that means move, that means look to put your hands up, that means like try to advance position. This girl was getting beat up on, but she never stayed there and conceded to take the beating. She was always moving, always trying to grab something, always bucking. So she was just she was she was she was defending herself, not not truly intelligently, but she was she was defending herself to the best she could. She wasn't there just getting just laying there saying punch me. She was there moving, but the the gap in the skills was so wide. That was the biggest mismatch I've seen in a long time. It, yeah. it, 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 it was evident. When you saw the girl come on in her stance and throw the first punch. I mean, look, let's be honest. This was a 
showcase opportunity for Valentina, who they want to have the flyweight title. Because guess what, UFC, you rushed out this women's division with the with the with the tough season. You put the belt on a champion who Nico Montano that no one's ever heard of, right? You had nobody like, and now you're just trying to. You probably were setting up for Paige VanZant to win the belt, but she just lost. So now you're just trying to get that belt on somebody, somebody you know, somebody knows. So you give Shanchenko a softball. It just it was just a bad situation. I didn't like how Mario handled it necessarily, but we know Dana hates him, has always hated him. He always wants him out of the cage. It just was, at least it's getting people talking. Because, Kingbo, not a lot of people are talking enough about things like weight cutting. Like, is somebody going to have to die for us to, to make changes? Because every week it's getting scarier. I mean, every week it's getting ridiculous. You saw what, uh, what's his name just went through? Uh, right, I'm, I'm a little bit off because of my trip here. Who just had the horrific uh, weight cut situation? Uh, 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 um, 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 my boy, uh, uh, Pedro Munoz. He missed weight by, he missed weight by five pounds. No, he so had did, it. uh, who, who just went so did, so did, so did, so did, um, Eric Anders. Eric Anders missed weight by. I'm thinking, I'm, of, am I talking I'm, about Uriah, Uriah Hall? He just went through hell and back and got hospitalized and basically said organs were shutting down and he almost died to try to make weight. Like, we gotta get past this. You know what? It's gonna, it's gonna be a culture change. It's gonna, it's gonna come down and you can see a guy, like, like, I don't know, I, you know, I, Guy, I don't know. I never cut weight, really. You know, um, you're gonna, you're gonna see more and more guys like Masters All. He moved up. He's having success. Justin Poirier moved up. Max Holloway Jeff- said he's gonna have to move up if UFC goes through with the weight, with the weight rule changes that they're about to do. He says he's gonna have to move up because of that. Gastelum moved up, had success. Um, you're gonna see more and more guys move up and have success and Dos have Angeles. longer careers. Yeah, Dos Anjos too. Yeah, it's yep. time because we look. Yep. We don't. We don't want to see. We don't want to see something bad happen before before changes do. Look, weird time for MMA, weird time for the UFC, but a chance, though, to, to evolve, and hopefully we make some good decisions. Hopefully we get some super fights this year, King Mo, all right? Not champion versus champion just to force it, but I'm talking about we find a winner in Tony Habib, and then Connor faces him, right? That's just one division, one example, but let's get back to business here. Let's move some product. Uh, you know Connor's gonna fight Nate Diaz. Come on. Man. Oh, he's gonna wreck the plans. <laughs> or maybe he'll fight Floyd for all we know and really wreck the plans. But it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting in this Bellator tournament. King Mo in the gym, getting ready for Bader. We're gonna see that coming up. A lot of fun times ahead. King Mo, any message to your fans on the way out today? Oh man, you know what? Um I ain't got no messages. But I know you do. Uh, I got two words for the people. We out.